Namaste. So the mother has started her journey or she is about to start her journey. Though we are reading about the first journey she undertakes and yet we know that we are close to the great event when the mother came for the second and final time. But this is when she is about to come for the first time. Now it's a beautiful uh, meditation where she shows us the way when we are separated from those whom we deeply love. When we read this prayer we realize we don't really love. For us love means only physical closeness, an exchange of vital vibrations, maybe sharing a common interest, common thought. But love is a connectedness from soul to soul. And yet, because there is this connectedness, the outer being, the body, mind, vital, they all try to reproduce it very clumsily. And when it doesn't happen, there is pain. So she is describing, rather she is suffering from the pain and suffering of those who are left behind and suffering because the Divine Mother has, is about to sail from the shore of France. So we can imagine what everyone must have been experiencing. March 3rd, 1914. March 3rd, 1914. As the day of departure draws near, Uh, sorry, it's another prayer. Yes, sorry, it's the prayer when she is March 6th, 1914, Geneva. She has come to Geneva. She is left behind those in Paris and now from Geneva she has to sail further. Geneva, March 6th, 1914. Prayer is the same that I have been referring to. After I had acutely suffered from their suffering, See, this is the sign of greatness. We may ask, why is the mother and Shurabindo suffering? They are above suffering. This question was asked to Shurabindo. Shurabindo replied, certainly the divine need not suffer and he is above suffering. But he takes upon himself the burden of suffering of others. At a human level, we can experience it or rather mothers experience it. Mothers, more than their own suffering, they suffer for the suffering of the child. Similarly, we can imagine the Divine Mother. Now, Divine Mother, she can be above suffering. Even in her sickness, acute sickness, she can be beyond it. But she suffers from the suffering of her children. This is the great sacrifice of the Divine Mother, which is spoken of in the Vedas. Sri speaks of it in, this, in Savitri. She takes upon herself the burden of everybody's suffering. So, it starts with this, after I had acutely suffered from their suffering. Who are they? They are the ones who are left behind and they are suffering because she is physically moving away. I turned towards thee in an attempt to heal it by infusing into it a little of the divine love, source of all peace and happiness. This is the big difference between the divine mother's way of dealing with things and a typical traditional yoga. Imagine somebody... Asking a traditional yogi, I am suffering. What would he say? Be detached. Have you not read the Gita? 
There is nothing which is real. This suffering is unreal. You are unreal. Your so and so is unreal. No, she doesn't do that. She understands the suffering and puts in its place divine love. Why? Because she is healing it. She knows there is suffering and she must heal it. That's her role. She is not there to give philosophical lecture or teach uh, that kind of spirituality which is cut off from the world. She understands the world and its nature very well, and that's why she can be the most perfect friend. I'm not speaking of guide, which of course she is, but she can be the most perfect friend and confident, even as she is the mother. Not, I won't even say there can be ever a comparison between physical mother and divine mother. There's only one mother, and it is the mother, because she understands us. Physical mother can understand us a little about our body, well-being, and all. But divine mother, she understands us physically. She understands us emotionally, psychologically, mentally. All our thoughts she knows, and she understands our spiritual journey. And what does she do? She doesn't give lectures. She doesn't believe in it. She puts in its place a little of the divine love, source of all peace and happiness. At one place, she says, "Divine love is the best emotional protection. Attachment to the divine is the best way to protect our emotions from getting hurt." Then we must not run away from suffering. We must not love and cultivate it either. So there are people who want to escape from suffering. Oh, I don't want suffering. I don't like suffering. The problem is, the more we run away from something, it will chase us. Equally, there are some who have a perverse love for suffering. Unless they suffer, whether in love, you know, in old time people made a gospel of suffering in love. All these romantic tales, sentimental love, and we have such songs and people who are going through this pain. Of uh, emotional vital love, they, as if to aggravate it, they listen to these songs. But that is not the way. When we are hurt deep within, or when we are suffering because of separation, we should turn still deeper and come in contact with the divine love. So she is saying both these attitudes are born of ignorance, either to shun away suffering, run away from suffering, or to love and cultivate it. So what we should do? We must learn how to go down deep enough in it to make it a lever which will have the power to force open the doors of the eternal consciousness and enter into the serenity of thy unwearying oneness. This is the path shown to us by Radha, Radha Ma, and the Shri Krishna's divine mother, and this is the path shown to us. By Radha, who took a physical body, the Divine Mother herself, because when she was asked, um, "Is it true? Did Radha ever exist?" Mother says, "Not only has she existed, but she continues to live upon Earth." So, who else she is referring to, but herself? So, the path she has shown when we suffer from those whom we love and they are away, instead of lamenting, going into depression, depression is state of acute egoism because we love egoistically, so we want to be attached, hold on, possess. We are missing the things which we are getting from that person. Instead of that, she says, turn it into a lever to go within, and then when we go within, reach deep inside where we'll find the unwearying oneness, where we will find that truly we are all together, always in the oneness of the divine. Now she describes the nature of suffering. See, we have read all these big philosophies and built all castles around it. Look at the mother's way of explaining. See, this 
uh, I mean, what shall I say? It is not just a philosophy based on intellectualization, but it's a philosophy born on the double experience of life as well as the highest truth. So it is a natural, organic philosophy which uh, flows out from her. She would not care to turn it into a system. But look at what she is uh, revealing to us. Certainly, this sentimental and physical attachment which produces a search when the bodies separate is childish from a certain point of view. When we contemplate the impermanence of outer forms and the reality of the essential oneness. So there is a Buddhist way of looking at it. Since it's understandable, in life everything is changing. We should know it. Nothing lasts forever. Whether it be the our own body as you know, it is said in Hindi, in, uh, people say that even your body leaves you. What of friends? So even the body which we identified with and thought this is mine leaves us. The whole world is constantly changing. Uh, but this behind this change, there is a movement upward. This Sri Aurobindo reveals. But otherwise, this is true that everything is impermanent. And if we are attached to it ignorantly, it is bound to give us pain. So why are we attached? He says, it is ignorance. Because we should know that it is going to go away one day or the other. And the more intense the attachment, the more the pain will be there. So this is one part of it. But look at the other side of the truth. And this is where the integral... Uh, metaphysics or integral philosophy of Shirobindo and the mother, though I am sure uh, this term is not uh, applicable to them because, as I said, this is a different kind of philosophy born out of an integral experience of uh, life and divine. So, this is one part. But on the other hand, is not this attachment, this personal affection, an unconscious effort of men to realize externally as far as possible that fundamental oneness towards which they are ever tending without even being aware of it. So why it is there? Even behind movements of ignorance, there is a truth. And the truth of this uh, emotional attachment, this wanting to be together, the truth is the truth of oneness. So because oneness is behind Nature tries to create it. Something within even outwardly wants to create this oneness. It doesn't know the means. The true means is even physically a time comes when one can realize that it's one substance. She speaks about it much later. But we don't know the means. So we want only physically for two people to stay together. But this is not going to help as long as we live in the ego and ignorance. It will invariably lead to rubbings and cutting of the corners. That's why spaces are needed in togetherness as Khalil Gibran puts it. And when we have the space, when we have each discovered the deep truth within, we come back and there can be a much deeper union. But at the same time, she says that, uh, reveals that this is a movement of ignorance, but there is a truth behind it. Just like desire is a movement of ignorance. But behind this movement is a deeper truth. The truth that everything belongs to the one consciousness force. But in desire... We try to strive and externally possess it, externally want it and therefore it brings its recoil of suffering, struggle and pain. And precisely for this reason is not the suffering produced by the separation one of the most effective means of transcending this outer consciousness. So now she is turning it into yoga, how this can, this yoga can become yoga. So this is something very interesting because... Uh, 
we can look at the Gita in a different way. Now, in the Gita, there is a similar dilemma, killing his own kith and kin. And Sri Krishna starts with this, that nobody really, you know, is died or killed. Everybody is secure in the breast of the one, though because of the exigency of time, Sri Krishna reveals it in few short crisp sentences. This can be misunderstood. Misunderstood in the sense nobody really dies, nobody kills, so it doesn't matter, we can kill with impunity, not at all. Shubhinder reveals that in Asis on the Gita. It doesn't mean that. It means that all is a progressive manifestation of the one divine. And in the divine breast we discover that state of oneness. That's where the Gita tends to take us. So this suffering is a means, very effective means of transcending the outer consciousness. All right? Then what do we do? Should we just transcend and declare it as illusion? No. She is saying, of replacing this superficial attachment by the integral realization of thy eternal oneness. So now we have the complete truth. One side, life is impermanent, forms are impermanent. Uh, second side, yet this attachment to the wish to create permanence, the wish to uh, come together forever and live together, um, is an, a, a, a mistranslation of a deep truth. And the deep truth is that because there is oneness behind, man is never satisfied with this state of division and separation and wants things to come together and be in a state of oneness, depending upon how vast a consciousness is. Having said this, how do we go towards oneness? She says, first thing is transcend. Transcend this state of separation, this bodily self. Next, come back upon it but instead of superficial attachment, do this in a state of eternal oneness. So realize the eternal oneness and with this oneness behind, play with the world, its manifold, ever-changing scenario, this Leela. We see this in the mother's life very, very beautifully. She is with so many people, meets so many, even she continues all through her life. Countless people and everybody she pours her love without calculation, without as much as wanting anything, even though she, she goes on to say what her love is, she says, I hold myself responsible even for those who have turned hostile and gone away. So even towards them she pours her love, expecting nothing. There is no attachment in that sense, but she constantly gives. So from that state of oneness, she infuses this sweetness and love in every form. At one place she speaks of it also when she was asked to speak on, asked about human love, and divine love. She says, if human love comes into your life, learn to love unselfishly, without expectation, without calculation, then one day you will touch the core of love, which is divine love, which is everywhere and in everything. Always when people asked her, she would say, do not crush emotions, ennoble them, purify them, sublimate them. This is exactly what Shurabindu describes in the Arya and in countless letters, not to kill emotions, but to purify and sublimate them. Ways and means may be many. For us, the simple way is first to, to base everything in our relation with the Divine Mother. Anything that comes in the way of our union with the Divine Mother, journey toward the Divine Mother should be cast aside. Very beautifully, Tulsidas puts it when Mirabai asked Tulsidas that, you know, my family doesn't believe in um, Krishna, but I love Krishna. What do I do? And he replies, of course, uh, what mother is revealing is something much more profound. But he replies, a reply which is not sectarian, but very profound. If we look at it superficially, it may look sectarian. But deep within, he says, Jake priyana ram vaidehi 
सो छाड़िए कोटि बैरी सम जद भी परम ने सनेही दे हु डो नॉट लव द लॉर्ड लीव द मिसाइड एंड एज एज इफ दे आर एनिमीज ऑफ योर बींग इवन इफ दे आर वेरी डियर टू यू नाउ दिस ऑब्वियसली इज एन इम्परफेक्ट rendering of a deeper truth the deeper truth is see the divine being in everyone regardless of their belief or non belief and you move on the path which you are destined to move at the same time this is what the mother is doing she is not waiting stopping back saying oh you people will miss me i'll miss you therefore i will stay back no she has to do what she has to do she has to choose her own karma bhumi and go where her life's mission takes her but at the same time she understands the suffering and the pain and infuses into them all the divine love that she can give at a given point of time so this is what we see here it was this that i wished for them all she is wishing for them something very beautiful it was this that i ardently willed for them and it was for this that i assured of thy victory and certain of thy triumph confided to thee their grief so that thou mayest by illumining heal it so you see is very interesting mothers different responses to different people uh, and and it's very 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 interesting how we should not reduce anything to a dogma uh, to somebody who asked that at my home somebody is not well what should i do mother said you can take care you can do much better by being here because here you have the very source of light and energy you can connect with that send thoughts of love and send thoughts of healing and it's going to help much more unless physical presence is required uh, but physical taking care others can do but this is something you can do and do it much better here now some disciple must have picked up that sentence and when someone else wanted to go home to take care of the mother this person who was in charge of the department said no you you should not go you are not supposed to go uh, so this other disciple wrote to the mother and the mother writes now to this in charge look at look here he has natural affection for his mother he must go this is the time she needs him and he must go and look after her please let please be kind and understand so she was responding to these states of consciousness the same thing can be done from a very cruel consciousness and the same thing can be done from a very deep consciousness so she understands the suffering she knows uh, that it's childish at one level yet there is a truth behind it what can we do when people suffer um, indirectly because we are separated sometimes we may have become unwittingly the cause of their suffering not because we want anybody to suffer one should never want at all that but because of certain things one has to move on with life depending on one's life's mission and goal that is very sacred and important the aim of life especially if it be the divine say a buddha so but what does one do about those who are left behind and they feel the pain well we can always pray for them we can pray that the divine be with them that their hearts and minds be filled with the divine peace and love and wherever they are the divine will look after take care and they will experience a deep uh, peace and love even though they are physically far they may not understand its reason but the divine surely takes care then she summarizes it o lord grant that all this beauty of affection and tenderness 
may be transformed into a glorious knowledge. So it should be based on a deeper truth, understanding. When love is disconnected with knowledge, then it becomes something blind and turbulent. When love is based on this deep wisdom, then it is something very beautiful and wonderful. Grant that the best may come out of everything and thy happy peace may reign over the earth. So we read it again. Geneva, March 6th, 1914. After I had acutely suffered from their suffering, I turned towards thee in an attempt to heal it by infusing into it a little of the divine love, source of all peace and happiness. We must not run away from suffering. We must not love and cultivate it either. We must learn how to go down deep enough in it to make it a liver which will have the power to force open the doors of the eternal consciousness and enter into the serenity of thy unwearying oneness. Certainly, this sentimental and physical attachment which produces a wrench when the body separate. She is describing that experience. Is childish from a certain point of view. When we contemplate the impermanence of outer forms and the reality of thy essential oneness. But on the other hand, is not this attachment, this personal affection, an unconscious effort of men to realize externally as far as possible that fundamental oneness towards which they are ever tending without even being aware of it. And precisely for this reason is not the suffering produced by the separation one of the most effective means of transcending this outer consciousness, of replacing this superficial attachment by the integral realization of thy eternal oneness. It was this that I wished for them all. It was this that I ardently willed for them. And it was for this that I, assured of thy victory and certain of thy triumph, confided to thee their grief, so that thou mayest be illumining, thou mayest by illumining heal it. O Lord, grant that all this beauty of affection and tenderness may be transformed into a glorious knowledge. Grant that the best may come out of everything and thy happy peace reign over the earth. Namaste.